On my pillow that won't dry on the road beyond my ears. I've no sorrow, but today I don't walk alone. Hello and welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Studies Group Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speakers Step Series. Let's have our joke now. Lovely member of this group. And I'm going to tell it now. Thank you. All right. All right. A duck walks into a bar. Bartender says, "What'll it be? <laughs> what it What'll it be? What it would? It's a duck. All right, ducks. So, all right, duck walks into a bar. Bartender says, "What'll it be? The duck says, "I'll have a beer." Bartender says, "That'll be three bucks." Duck says, "Just put it on my bill." <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Tom. Hey, Tom. Thank you for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices uh, that make noise that will uh, distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away. And ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? So let's start the meditation.
Alrighty, if uh, you all join me in the reciting of the Foglight Prayer. God, let your love shine through me like a cloud light, so those who are all sick and dying can find your love through me. Amen. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have dis- discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked a friend, uh, Rob, to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one. So it's kind of important to know what one is. Spiritual experience. Okay, <laughs> thank you. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which, upon careful reading, shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes our religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety, because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that a sudden, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. 
our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that an alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have we find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and an op- and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery. But these are indispensable. There is a principle which is bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Alrighty, thank you. Uh, Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. Uh, This is a tech-free meeting, so uh, set your phones to airplane mode or meeting mode unless you're at home watching on Zoom or Facebook. Uh, or just uh, turn off. Uh, so uh, this is our speaker's sixth session, and uh, he's awesome. Um, every time I've seen him speak, it's been a 20-minute hour. Uh, so without further ado, here is our speaker, Joe. Thanks, everybody. Ooh. Hello? We got a little reverb going, Michael. All right. It's good to be here, as always. I don't know whether to take a car or a boat. Get sick of this rain. We have had a unbelievable amount of rain the last couple of days. Anyway, I'm an alcoholic member of the Wednesday Night Study Group. My name is Joe, hey Joe. and uh, it's an honor to be here, as I mentioned. And uh, here we are on the sixth meeting, and so I'm going to have to start ramping it up a little bit. We had uh, we had to miss a meeting, so. There's some things that um, I'm just going to do very quickly to catch up. Um, We last week left off with uh, saying the third step prayer and uh, looking at what's next. And all the information that we have covered up to this point, in the doctor's opinion, in the first four chapters, and part of how it works has really led us to, to making an effective decision, isn't it? Um, We've got to a deciding point. And we've been able to concede three things to our innermost self, not to anybody else, not just we have to marry this information within us with our experience or it's not going to it's not going to help us moving forward. It's not going to help us with the decision that we make. Um, So the information is simply this, that, you know, we get to how how it works and we we see those three pertinent ideas, uh, those three things that we really must concede to our innermost self that, we, that, we, uh, that uh, we're in agreement with. And the first one is, A, that we're alcoholic and couldn't manage our own life. I like to say that we're alcoholic and couldn't manage our own thinking because our thinking is the snapshot. Our life is the, think- is the snapshot of our thinking, isn't it? Right? We think, we feel, we act, we get a result. And most of us aren't real happy with those results that we have when we get here. You know, we want to th- have life be different. We, you know, if you're like me, when I got here, I wanted to, 
I thought if I just stopped drinking, my life would be fine. If I just stopped drinking, if I could stop drinking and getting in trouble and suffering these consequences, I could manage my life just fine. Well, that was a lie, you know, but that's what I told myself. My sponsor called that part of consulting with the idiot. One half was selling, the other half was buying. So I have to concede that I'm truly alcoholic, and I only get that information. I can only make that concession based on what they say in here. I can't, it's very difficult to relate it to somebody else telling me their story because I can always minimize, always minimize my, the impact of alcoholism on me compared to what it was with you, even though it mirrors each other, right? So in here, though, you can't, you can't evade it. You can't deny it when they talk about this uh, inability to stay stop once you've started. Like you put it in, you can't stop or you can't moderate. But the most devastating feature of alcoholism is not stopping. It's the inability to stay stopped, that I can't stop starting because it's an obsessional lie that comes into my mind, right? It comes in the form of a lie where no matter how trivial it is, the internal condition of shame and fear and remorse and regret and conflict and chaos and bitterness, and feeling like a loser, and feeling like a failure, that is driving me to medicate. I can't live with myself. I can't live with myself inside my skin, and continue to pretend to the outside world that it doesn't exist. That's a major conflict in a human being, and I have to medicate it. That's why I can say, geez, (laughs) it wasn't that bad, and I mean I could have torn everything apart, and it doesn't matter what I stand to lose. It doesn't matter the necessity of the wish no matter what I stand to lose, when that thing is driving me and it, and it gets to the boiling point of the lie that actually is a lie that gives myself permission to put the, the poison in my system that's killing me, I, I have to have it. And I can't sit there and have a conversation about the truth of what it's going to do to me and drink. It has to be in the form of a lie. And that, that obsession is the thing that has to be interrupted and has to be removed from me. And no human power could do it. Nobody on earth could keep me stopped, right? How is the obsession stopped? How is it removed? It's of no earthly uh, possibility, right? Nobody on earth has been able to keep any of us stopped. When that lie comes in, we begin again. So the, 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 whole, the whole key to the decision that we're making is to really do this investigation, isn't it? It's to do this investigation to see just what's broken within me just what my unmanageability looks like and who you get when I show up on the scene. It says that, you know, this decision that we make in step three to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understand him, understood him is simply the first time that I'm going to decide by, by the, the act of this investigation, the act of the fourth step, that will be the, the display to, to God that, I, that I'm sincere when I make this decision. No decision that we make can be a decision unless it's validated with action. You know, I could decide to go to California, and if I don't go to California, I stand here next week and say, well, I, I wanted to. Well, that's no decision. That's just an intention. And didn't you know I wanted everybody to give me credit for my intentions? I wanted the credit. I wanted the applause. I wanted the data boys. I wanted the strokes. It didn't matter. But I wanted credit for my my intentions and everybody was everybody's really look at me you know and even after i stopped drinking people were looking at my actions they weren't looking at my intentions 
because, you know, intentions weren't worth their weight in gold. I, I never kept a word. I didn't have a word. So here we are. It says that, you know, it kind of it kind of pre-prepares us, so to speak, about what we're going to be looking at within ourselves, right? Where this investigation is going to go to. And it talks about on the, on the uh, previous page, it says, selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. The core of all our troubles on earth in our lives is due to selfishness and self-centeredness, right? It says, driven by a hundred, we think this, uh, it says, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. So my game, my approach to happiness, security, emotional uh, security, financial security, sexual security, you know, success in the world, my approach to that through people was all born with this as the, the root of the, of the, of the, uh, the root of who I was, after I was go- as I was going about these things in, 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 in my life says, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some point in our past, we have made decisions based on self, which later places us in a position to be hurt. Oh my goodness, right? My decisions on seeking what I thought I needed out of you as selfish and self-centered motive was behind it all, Right? Even if it was just having you give me an attaboy or a slap on the back, I was that person that I needed to be for you so that you would think I was a nice guy and give me the stroke in return. It was all fabricated. It was all manipulated. It was all calculated, right? So um, it says, so our troubles we think are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves. And the alcoholics is an extreme example of self-will run riot. Right? It says, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must or it kills us. And God makes that possible. And there seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. So we're teeing up where we're going to go with this investigation. Right? So um, the table has been set. We've set our third step prayer. And now it says at the bottom, next, we launched. Right? Launched is simply uh, setting forth with force. Moving forward. No delay. Right? It says the first step, which is a personal house cleaning. The first action step of the program. Up until this point, we haven't done much of anything except take a look at some information, make some identifications, concede some innermost, you know, some, some, some points in here, and now it's time. It says, uh, though our decision, step three, was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect. Unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. In the previous pages, it says, for God is, the, the fundamental idea of God is found down deep within us, right? It's covered up, though, by calamity, pomp, and worship of other things. All those lowercase gods that we wanted to have coexist with the Almighty, right? We wanted coexistence with my personal plans and desires and my personal wants and needs with those that I had up here. They were all at the top, right? You can't serve, it, the, the, the big, big book says you can't serve two masters, earth and God at the same time. You, it, it, it's very apparent that if I try to have any of my priorities coming in here, whether it's the girl, the job, the money, the 
prestige, it doesn't matter what it is, coexist with my pursuit of this relationship, I'm going to lose it. Right? And I've lost it many, many times. I've tried to have things of importance be just as important as this, and it doesn't work. Right? This, if this whole approach is about a pursuit to establish a relationship with God that will solve my problem and remove that obsession of the mind, I would think it's rather important to place it at the pinnacle of my life. Or I'm, gonna, or I'm, gonna, or I'm not going to get it. Right? So I think that's why it says in we agnostics that God is either going to be everything or else he's nothing. Right? They're saying that this approach has got to be everything or it's going to be nothing. How many of us have done this thing and had everything be so important and then end up right back at the bottom? Right? Right back at the bottom. Every one of us usually do. Right? So we're not, we're not masters of that stuff. We can't master all those, those uh, priorities at one time. It's impossible. So it says, uh, so therefore we started out in this personal inventory. And listen, there's a lot of schools of thought about different types of inventory templates that we use. One of them is the most effective that's in the book, right? The book is going to give us a template, a beginning of a template that approaches three different subjects, right? There's many from this school and that school and this treatment center, that all over the place. But the one that we have found most effective is the one that comes right out of this book, as is everything, right? Now, Joe and Charlie in the big book seminars, they, they explain this thing like it was Gerber baby food. You, you, you had, you know, you, listening to them, and I encourage anybody, you can still get them on the, on the Internet. If you want to know and bring a sponsee through a a four-step inventory, bring them to the Big Book Seminar online and have them sit down and study it. Because I'm telling you, if they don't understand it, then they don't want to. That's as simple as I can put it, right? But they go over this template guide that has actually five columns and addresses five different sources of information. Now, it says the first, it says here, it says um, they liken this to a business inventory, which if anybody's taken a business inventory, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, it's, it's a strenuous job. It's not easy. It's, it's a pain in the butt, really. Um, you go in and you find out the unsellable things. You find the things that aren't moving, that are, not, that are making your business bogged down and unsuccessful and not you know, generating the revenue that it should be, like on all cylinders. You get rid of it without regret and promptly and, and move on, right? Put stuff in there that does sell right? So it's the same thing what we do with our lives. There are things within us that we have developed in our constitution of selfishness and self-centeredness, right? And of defects of character, greed, lust, pride, ego, sloth, gluttony, you know, all, all that stuff, right? That that is our constitution when we get here. Dishonesty, manipulation, deception, you know, inconsideration, all those things, that is our constitution when we get here. We've got to find out why, that, why we harbor those things and how we can get rid of them. Um, so it says this, first we searched out the flaws in our makeup which caused our failure. Right? We can't come in here and get to this place and say, well, there's nothing wrong with me. There's, everything's wrong with us. <laughs> we, we've been such victims that we're playing, everything's wrong with them. No, everything's wrong with me, right? It says, um, being convinced that self manifested in various ways, was what was his, which is what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations. The first and most important one that kills more alcoholics than anything else is resentments. That to feel again is the de- definition of a resentment. Re is again, 
Sentiment is to feel, right? To feel again and again and again. Joe and Charlie talk about it, or Char, uh, Joe, old Joe McQueenie back, back in the day, used to talk about the, the instant replay machine that they came out with back in the, in the I don't know, 70s, late 70s, probably around there, where they brought this uh, new apparatus into the NFL and they had, it was instant replay, right? And they would play the plays over and over. And I think the first one that they played that, that when they had instant replay was when Joe Theismann got his, got his bone fracture, right? And they played that break from every which angle and then they flipped that sucker into slow motion. And it was just the most graphic, disgusting thing you, you could see. And um, so Joe McQueenie, he would say that we, we, with resentments, we had this instant replay machine built in, right? When somebody offended or threatened or, or, or upset us in some fa- form or fashion, right, may have threatened one of our instincts, we would, we would automatically turn on that replay machine and we'd play that sucker over and over and over. Now, we have to be involved in this thing one way or another because we're the ones that are being affected, right? So it's us and whoever it is. But when we play this thing over and over, we render ourselves white as snow and we make them more guilty and guilty and guilty. And then at the end of the night, we'll go to bed exhausted, fall asleep, and when we wake up, we'll turn on that retribution machine, right? That's how we play these things out, and they destroy us. We're, we're, we're literally suffering from the resentment and the other person probably carrying on their life. So it says we got to be rid of these things. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. Uh, from it stem all forms of spiritual dis-ease, right? For we have not only been mentally and physically ill, we've been spiritually sick. Last week I talked about that, right? When the spiritual maladies overcome... We straighten out mentally and physically. That's why the first three steps are designed to you know, focus on God. The next three steps are designed to focus on us. And then the next three after that are designed to focus on others. Right. So when the spiritual maladies overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper, period. There's very specific ways they have this written in here. So the first column of the fifth step, or the first column of the fourth step, would be the first column of the list of names, the people, places, and institutions that we're angry at, right? That we feel have wronged us or threatened us in some way or altered our life or altered our path or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. But it's, we still harbor many of those resentments. I always like to say, look, if you're in New York City and you're going to take a sightseeing trip and you're going to go up on the Empire State Building, just take a grand look around that's a pretty long elevator ride right i mean it's a pretty lengthy elevator ride you can take a three-story elevator ride with somebody or a group of people and it's uncomfortable you just don't even like you know what i mean it's like you know what i mean you know nobody's open to conversation well it's the same thing with this long ride right you get on the elevator the front door closes but before you start to ascend the back door opens and there's that person how's that ride going to be that ride going to be jovial and authentic and transparent and loving and empowering and enlightening? Or are there going to be things going on inside you? Some of that dirt that are unresolved. Some of that conflict starting to stir up that you never got a pound of flesh for or you never had closure in anything that, w- that happened with that person. If that's the case, put them on the list, right? Political, political stuff, attorneys, Halfway house owners, I mean, you name it. 
There's all kinds of things that we can put on this list. And, what, and, it, and the beauty of it is it has a period after the, uh, we make our list, period. Because our minds as human beings do not focus on two subject matters very well at the same time. So if I'm wanting to go across to the next subject before completing my list, it's going to get all watered down. I'm going to lose my place. But if I'm just focused on that list, that one list and going from top to bottom, right? Descending in order, whatever that order is, it doesn't have to be any specific order, but it can be mom, dad, sister, brother, uncle, whoever it is, make the list first. Because then you go to the top and address the next subject with that individual, right? What did they do to make me angry? That's what's the column, that's what it says in the book, right? It says, we listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry, period. Exercise number two, we go back to the top. We asked ourselves why we were angry. Well, they, she, he stole my girlfriend. Or he cheated on me, she cheated on me. Whatever it, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. Now, if it's repeated things, abuse is prevalent, right? Abuse in many fashions is prevalent. Sexual abuse, verbal abuse, mental abuse, Physical abuse. There's all kinds of abuse. And sometimes they can happen repeatedly. There's no need in an abusive situation where you have to list each incident separately. Because remember, this, 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 this uh, inventory catalog, this catalog of, of resentments and, 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 and harms to sexual harms and fears, this is more, more of a tickler sheet for when we get into the fifth step that's when we embellish. That's when we tell all our life story and we put all the color to the story, right? Of to the, to the specific thing. So if it's abuse, you just simply write repeated sexual abuse or repeated physical abuse, repeated verbal abuse. doesn't matter what it is. But you don't have to list each incident separately or you'll be writing a book, right? We'll talk about those individual incidences when we get to step five. Got it? Then... Um, so we go down that list. You know, I, I resent the police because they locked me up, right? Well, yeah, I, I resented a lot of police in a lot of different places. Matter of fact, everywhere I ever got arrested. Um, you know, I, uh, yeah, I had a lot of, you know, a lot of people have uh, resentments with institutions like DCF that take their children away for the children's good, right? And they're angry with them. They're angry that they came and had the audacity to take their children away, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of things that are touchy and sensitive and emotional, but we've got to get it out on paper, right? So we do that. We talk about what's made us angry, and then we go to the... the, the then we go to the, uh, to the uh, main section, right? The, I call it the central section. There's a reason I think it's in the central section. That's the third column. It says this about instincts in our 12 and 12... And I think it's really uh, a powerful uh, description of why we have these instincts of character. We're going to address the personal instinct, right? The emotional instinct, the societal instinct, the financial instinct, the sexual instinct, and the ambitions, right? We're going to address all these areas of our life. But a lot of people will move into that four-step inventory and they don't have any idea what they mean. They don't have any idea of how they relate to their life. So let me just say this is how God appropriated us with instincts of character, every human being on earth, so that we can live and live comfortably, right? It says creation gave us instincts for a purpose. Without them, we wouldn't be complete human beings. And men and women didn't exert themselves to be secure in their persons. 
made no effort to harvest food or construct shelter, there would be no survival. If they didn't reproduce, the earth wouldn't be populated. If there were no social instinct, if men cared nothing for society of one another, there would be no society. So these desires for the sex relation, the material and emotional security, and for companionship are perfectly necessary and surely God-given. Yet these instincts, so necessary for our existence, often far exceed their, prop, their proper functions, powerfully, blindly, many times subtly. They drive us, dominate us, and insist upon ruling our lives. Our desires for sex, for material and emotional security, and for an important place in society often tyrannize us. When thus out of joint, man's natural desires cause him great trouble, practically all the trouble there is. No human being, however good, is exempt from these troubles. Listen to this. For those that are emotionally crippled when they get here, it says nearly every serious emotional problem can be seen as a case of misdirected instinct. When that happens, our, natural, our great natural assets, the instincts, have turned into physical and mental liabilities. A little later down in, in the reading, it says emotional deformities. Right? It turns us into people that are just never satisfied with anything. We're always blaming everybody for our miserable lives. It's always somebody else's fault. It's never my responsibility. I'm never responsible. You know, it's, 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 it's the same old song that if you see somebody coming that's, that's exuding that stuff, you turn around and walk away. It's just not pleasant to be around. So, thank you. So these instincts, perfectly necessary and God-given and necessary for our existence, to be satisfied, to be comfortable, and to be okay in life, to be okay with what is, to be in that sane state of mind, being okay with what is, right? It says this. It says, so what we're going to do here, um, and those are in the central column if, if you've taken an inventory. If you, so it says, we asked ourselves why we're hungry. In the most cases, we found that it was our self-esteem, our pocketbooks or our ambitions, or personal relationships, right? including sex, that were hurt and threatened. So we were... So we were sore. We were burned up. So on our grudge list, going back to our list, it says we set we, we list. We it's, I'm sorry. It says on our grudge list we set opposite each name our injuries they did to hurt us, and then was it our self esteem, our security, our ambitions, or personal or sex relations which had been interfered with? Now they didn't have a long piece of paper in here. It was just you know that long, that wide, right? So they began the template to show us at least what the beginning format would look like. The other, the other columns that are not on here or showing, right, will be discussed in the ensuing pages. So listen, if you did an inventory of just the first three columns, what happens? You try to move forward, and you're still nowhere, you're still nowhere further down than when you were, right? This is the victim part. I'm resentful at what they do to make me mad, and what did it affect? Well, if I stop at that, there's no, there's no uh, resolution to that, is there? Right? I still get to be PO'd because it's their fault. But it says this. It says, with the, uh, but with the alcoholic whose hope and maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, remember, we're, 
We're here to do victory over, we're here to get victory over alcohol. It says, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found it is fatal. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns and we drink again. And with us to drink is to die. If we were to live, we had to be free of anger. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but not for the alcoholic. These things are fatal. They're poison. So it says we turn back to the list. Now we've done our first three columns, right? Up top it could be John, he cheated on my wife. Or John, he cheated with my wife. What did it affect? Well, it certainly affect it certainly affected my personal relationship with John, didn't it? It definitely affected my relationship with my wife, right? It definitely affected me emotionally. It certainly affected me in my job. I couldn't think straight. I was angry all the time. So my, 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 my productivity stunk. So my financial uh, instinct was threatened, right? So think about what was threatened. Everything was threatened. Everything was threatened because of this, this one thing. So I got that down. And then it says this. We turn back to the list for it held the key to the future. Think about that statement. The key to the future doesn't lie on the first three columns. It lies on the last two. Everything that we're going to need for steps five, six, seven, eight, and nine are in, on this format, on this inventory. Everything that we need. So don't put it in a bottle, throw it out to sea, or burn it. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. It says, now look at this. We're going, now think about this. We're looking at this uh, first three columns. This is my victim story. Now it does this. It says, now we're prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We begin to see that the world and its people really dominated us. In that state of mind, in that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. How could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered. But how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. This was our course, okay? They have a little four-step prayer in here before we go to start doing that uh, accountability column, which is the next one. It says, though we did not like their symptoms in the way they disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. It says, we ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended to ourselves, this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. Now, they preface, they follow this prayer up, right? With, I'm not going to look at them anymore. I'm going to look at me. I'm going to look at me. This is time for me to go in and find out why I had all this stuff going on. It says, uh, referring to our list again, Putting, now, here we go in the column number four, right? Refer, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, we resolutely looked for our own mistakes. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? When we start to delve into identifying defects of character, it's nice to have them grouped in and of themselves. So we use a fifth column to identify that. They don't have to. There are schools of thought that they can merge the fourth and fifth column together. That's fine. I just find it easier to work on a very specific list of defects, defects that, I can, that I can focus in on six and seven. So I put my uh, accountability, my, what, how did I set the ball rolling, right? On one column, where had I been wrong? 
Where had I been? What, what feelings did I create in others? And then separate the defects of character. It's not that difficult, but it will, it will keep it from getting uh, mixed up. So it says this, referring to our, to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, we resolutely look for, my, for our own mistakes. But did not we ourselves set the ball rolling? So what did I do, right, to tee this whole thing up? What decisions did I make based on self that later places me in a position to be hurt, right? Resentments are hurtful. They're deadly. So now I'm going to start looking for things that I could have done differently or done or not done at all that would have avoided this whole thing to begin with. But because of my, my incessant needs to be oversatisfied and overdivulged, and overcompensated, and overcredited, I set this whole thing in motion. It says, though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person entirely. Where were we to blame? Wow. I don't know about any of you all, but I never considered doing that for anybody on earth until I got to this point, ever. I was convinced it was you. I was comfortable it was you. And I was comfortable being right about being wrong. How do you do do that? Only an alcoholic can do that. Insist on being right when you know you're wrong. (laughs) Worked for me, though, for a while. Um, So when we saw, it says, when we saw our faults, we listed them. We placed them there before us in black and white. What, What could I have done? Well, with my wife, I could have paid a little more attention. I could have been a little bit more romantic. I could have been a little bit more thoughtful and given her more time. There are things that I did that alienated her, right? I'm going out and getting loaded and ended up in jail for five days. She has no idea where I am. She thinks I'm dead. And then I call her and say, honey, ain't it grand and windsock blowing? I'm not drinking now. Can you come get me out of jail? (laughs) My God, we were so insensitive to other people's emotional needs especially those close to us. Why did she cheat? How could I, you know, it's like I wasn't, I wasn't available for her mentally, emotionally, or financially. Now that's a hypothetical situation. I'm making it up, but it's a situation that fits a lot of people. All right? It fits a lot of people. And you can see how that whole thing would play out. It's amazing what we do but I can only see as far as what they did to me, right? I'm blinded. I'm intentionally blinded by the rage that's going on in on me, uh, on in me, because of what what she did to me. But I I stop looking any further backwards. You know, I stop looking for the source of the problem. And when I can find the source of the problem. Do you know what happens? I stop blaming her. My whole psychological thought process changes. It shifts. That if, you know, it's, it's not her fault at all. It's my fault. And all of a sudden, I'm not mad at her anymore. I'm like really disturbed about me. How am I going to correct this, right? And all the fuel, all the fuel that made me do the things that I did, to be oversatisfied sexually, financially, materially, you name it. All the things that I did were fueled by something. Could have been greed. Could have been greed and lust. Could have been greed, lust, and dishonesty. 
As I told you, I was a habitual liar by the time I got here. I needed to put that down. I needed to label who I had been. And you know what? For the first time in my life, I got to see who you got when I showed up on the scene. And I was mortified. I stopped saying, why is my life so screwed up? Why does every day look like yesterday? And I said, of course it's screwed up. How could it not be screwed up? How can it not look like yesterday, given how I was being with people? And here's what happens. And we do this with, we do the same thing with fears. We do it with uh, sexual harms. I'm not going to go into them all. But that you get the idea of where we're going with this thing. The flow is still the same from beginning to end. And here's what happens. If we've been thorough about our personal inventory, we have written down a lot. We have listed and analyzed our resentments. We have begun, listen to this. Tell me this isn't a psychological major transformation. This is where we have our first personality change right here when we've done this. To go from being the victim and the blamer and the deceiver and the liar and manipulator to this. We have begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality just to see how we were being It says, we have commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. Why do I have collateral damage? How could I not have it, right? We have begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men. Are you kidding me? Me? And that's all from putting putting a deal on me, putting a mirror on me, right? That's putting the onus on me. I set that whole thing up. I was the master at it. All they were doing was just retaliating, right? We've begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies. For we look on them as sick people. We have listed the people we have hurt by our conduct and are willing to straighten out the passes if we can. So they're they're kind of teeing up here, eight and nine. They're teeing up six and seven, eight and nine, six and seven, will only spell an effective eight and nine. Can't get there without it. So it says this, God can remove from, God can remove whatever, it says, we hope you are convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. If you have already made a decision, step three, and an inventory of your grosser handicaps, those aren't assets, they're handicaps, they're liabilities, they're character flaws. It says, you have made a good, uh-oh, beginning. We've just begun. Right? It says, that being so, you've swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about yourself and how you've been showing up in every human being's life since the beginning. We've never, never had enough of anything. Right? We were never satisfied. So now... We jump into the deep dive, right? Now we, we, have, we have our great reveal, don't we? We have the reveal of this human being. We have what, what makes him tick. We have all the motivations of why he did what he did, what he did to, what, what he did to other people to get what he thought he wanted, to, to get what he thought he needed, to make him happy or satisfied or feel emotionally stable. If we could get that through other people and it worked, we'd keep doing it. 
But it didn't work, right? People that, you, people that saw our game finally retaliated, and they really, you know, that, and that's what would end our relationships, wouldn't it? So many of these ones that we do on eight and nine, we don't even know where they're at, but it, we have to go to any length, right? So we're still in that process of deciding, aren't we? So now our decision is not only incorporated this work, which is the great reveal of who we are, but now it's going to reveal the deeper dive, right? In five, it's a confession, right? So we, we get with our sponsor, we get in the presence of God, we pray, usually say a prayer and we begin. And we usually start with number one, who, who's first on the list, right? In the resentment category. Then we go to the fear category, then we go to the sexual harms, and many will take an extra amount of time and do the harms list because we're so in the conversation of who and what we did to hurt people that were unrelated to sexual, right? We've hurt people that didn't even know we hurt them, right? We've stole from people that didn't even know we still, matter of fact, we made sure that they thought it was somebody else, that we were so good at it, right? But there are people none the wiser for a lot of our shenanigans, and we've got we've to have them put on the list, harms done to others, right? So in this fifth step, in the presence of God and with our sponsor, hopefully our sponsor, because our sponsor is going to be our, has been our coach up to this point, and they're going to be our coach beyond this point. They're going to need to know this information so they can coach you in an effective way, in an effective strategy out of this situation, right? And hold us accountable. A solitary self-appraisal will never work. We cannot be our own monitor, right? We just can't. We're going to sell out on us more than we sell out on anybody else. We're going to think we're, you know, we're going to think we're going to look past our, our poor behavior more than anybody else will. So we need people around us that are going to hold us to our vision of who we want to become, right? And hopefully, hope to God, it's not the person that was just unveiled. So we go into this deep dive. And yes, we'll talk about the harms. We'll talk about the stealing. We'll talk about the lying. We'll talk about the manipulation and the cheating, Right? And all that stuff. But what we're going to include in here is the hurt. Right? I always tell this story, and it kind of puts it in perspective. My mother, God bless her, she, she died two years ago. She was, or I'm sorry, a year ago. She was 99 years old, and she was just the biggest, one of the biggest champion of my life. Still is. And um, when I was smoking crack back in the day and I was just a raving lunatic drinking and just carrying on, living on the street out here, I stole her wedding ring, which was an heirloom. It wasn't her ring, it was her grandmother's ring. You can imagine, it was pretty old, right? So it had a lot of sentimental value and she, she considered it precious. And this guy stole it and pawned it and went smoke crack with it. The guy that I was... I denied it. I lied about it. But eventually ended up in jail. And, uh, you know, my mother was such a forgiving soul that when I did my tent, my nice step with her, you know, it's one thing to say, yeah, Mom, I'm sorry I stole your ring. And I'm really glad you found it back. She went to, they went to several pawn shops and found it and got it back. But the damage had been done. This woman who loved me and cared for me and stood for me through all of it. I said, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you make amends for the emotional devastation 
the violation of trust, the violation of love, the violation of just pure giving that she gave me. That's the harm. And if I had walked into that amends and I would have said, you know, ah, sorry for the ring and, and, and not address those other things, the hurt, I'd have left a wound about that. So we get it out, man. We talk about it. We discuss it. And if you have an effective sponsor, he's going to take you there. That when you come out of this thing, you're fully accountable and responsible for everything that you had done in your life. Because that's the key to freedom. If not, they're still wrong. And you're still a victim. So it's got to be deep. Right? We got to talk about it all. So we got a couple minutes left and uh, I can tell you this, that as you can see, everything that we're doing now is really leading to getting right with others, isn't it? Right? But nothing is worse than, you know how a lot of people come in, they'll want to say they're sorry and this and that, and they'll get a couple of weeks or months together in abstinence, they haven't done any work, they haven't done any of the program, and they want to go say, I'm sorry. I can promise you this, that anybody that you care dearly about, if you haven't done the proper preparation and the proper work to change the man that you had become, to distance yourself from the guy that came into recovery, the guy that uh, was on the other side of the four-step, right? The guy that you revealed in the four-step, if you take that guy to make an amends to anybody, you're going to fail. And you will end up losing and probably everything. You will be so undone. That's why six and seven are right there, right? Now, in the big book, when they wrote this thing in 39, I don't think anybody had a question of what was on the table. I don't think they had a a murmur of negotiation or uh, any question about what was on the table that they had to be rid of and what they had to change. If you're going to be a liar, you've got to stop lying, right? If you're going to be uh, responsible, you've got to stop being irresponsible. In order to incorporate these principles, it's not just a, a new design for living. This is developing a new constitution, not one of just being constitutionally incapable of being honest. It's constitutionally incapable of being a brother or a, a sister or intimate or transparent or you know any of that. We can't go into a relationship time after time after time being a fraud. So this is about becoming who God created us to be. This isn't about fabricating myself into a new person based on what I think I need to be. This is on actually doing this work to come to a place where I know God is moving me in a direction where he's incorporate, he is showing me, he's revealing himself to me. I know what's right and what's wrong. I know what's good and what's bad. I, it lies within me, right? So it's time to, it's time to, now listen, I've got all my stuff on a paper. It says when I, uh, you know, the, the sixth step, became willing to have God remove all these defects of character. Well, I've listed them all. And there can be many, right? Doesn't mean I'm going to walk out on a daily basis and prepare to have them to be prepared to monitor all of them at one time. I got to go slow. I got to do one at a time. 
Lord, please don't help me say that F-bomb today. Please, you know, help me with the F-bomb today. Just please, you know, if I do it and, 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 and the other person's none the wiser, they don't care, they use it too, but allow me the ability to say, you know what, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Even though if they say, well, no, that's okay. You know, it is not okay. I'm trying to refrain from saying that word, right? I take a stand and I set a boundary that nobody is going to trespass across. When I got here, I hated my guts. I wanted to die. Now I want to live, but I want to live as a man of character. I want to, I want to live as a man of integrity and honor to show him that I really mean what I say. I want my life and my will to be in your care, Right? And the way I've done that up to now is I have done four, part of his care. I've done five, which is part of his care. I'm going to do six and seven as part of his care. Next week, I'll elaborate on six and seven. We'll move into eight and nine, and we'll be giddy-upping. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. That was awesome. Appreciate your passion. Uh, let's give it up for Joe one more time. And now it's time for a word for our alcoholic secretary. Hello, everyone. I am your recovered alcoholic secretary. My name is Joey. 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 Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, in keeping with the seven tradition, which states every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are going around. Also, a friendly reminder, um, we are accepting all credit cards. If you don't have cash, don't worry. You can still contribute thanks to technology. All right. I, I'll, I'll use the Square app, huh? Brought to you by... I'm just kidding. It's a beautiful thing. All right. Um, AA.org, um, everyone in the Zoom and Facebook world, also AA.org, go to that site, um, follow the link there. You can give as well online. Um, AA as a whole with the lack of um, flesh and bone meetings are still hurting a bit, so they could definitely use your contributions. Uh, please do that if you can. Um, all right. At this time, I've asked uh, Mark. Hey, Mark. Awesome member of this group to read the recovered statement here at this meeting. Many others, you may hear the word recovered rather than recovering. Um, alcoholic. Sorry? What's that mean? What's that mean? Well, thank you, Mike Chase. Um, I'm going to have Mark explain ex specifically, excuse me, what that means. Um, so please, everyone, welcome the great Mark. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Joey introducing me that way yeah much appreciated um so here here i am i'm here to do the recovered statement we are not cured of alcoholism recovered but not cured that presents a conflict to some alcoholics if we were cured we would be able to drink responsibly no we are not cured the allergic reaction to alcohol will, will remain with us for a lifetime but we have been restored to sanity that was the problem the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than the body. 
We are now saying where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you, Mark. All right. Um, 1940 style big book sponsorship from the forward to the second edition Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to A came to AA and really tried, 50% got sobered once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75-plus percent success rate. All right. Um, at this time, I um, am asking for a show of hands of all the recovered alcoholics in the room. Beautiful. That's a good number in the room. Probably Anyway. Um, and now, anyone that needs a sponsor in the room or in the Zoom Facebook world as well? No? Anyway, thank you. All right. None here, but anyone in the Zoom world, any recovered alcoholics, you see those hands raised, go after them. Give them a, hey, how you doing? Try to get them connected to God, please. All right. Um, all right. Also, in this room, we have Monday night's big book study meeting. It's a great time. The big book comes alive. It's great fun. Um, would love to see you here. A lot of young people, a lot of, a lot of some old people, some all, all across the spectrum of ages. It's great, and um, yeah, fellowship starts at six thirty, and the big book study itself starts at seven fifteen. Um, hope to see you there. All right, um, uh, reminder: intergroup, head over there, um, say hello to them, pick up some CDs. Mugs, large print big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries. They are for sale. Help contribute to AA and help improve your sponsorship skills. It's, that, we call that a win-win here. Um, all right. <laughs> Silly. All right. All right. Uh, we meet every Thursday starting promptly at 715. Um, fellowship starts at 630. Go in the Zoom room. And we ask you to be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. See you all next week. Thank you. All righty. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. So tonight's uh, session and all of the past speaker podcasts are, can be found online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night big book study again. And those who wish to uh, thank tonight's speaker, please line up uh, down the uh, center aisle. So uh, now we close uh, with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Uh, see you all Monday or next Thursday and Godspeed.
desperately in need of restoration. Yeah, and I am ready for you to take me higher. Yeah, the only thing that I can do is keep on praying.
Just a light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine 
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Green now, growing vines, 
stray flies blooming all the time outside my door. song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Just won't set me free. Well, clap your hands if you believe me, children. 